two weeks away from Major League Baseball's opening day, it's time to start talking about the rest of the AL Central. It is a crossover edition of Lockdown Guardians and Lockdown Twins. Stay tuned. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians slash Locked On Twins. Uh, if you're watching, you can see that we had Justin, myself, and then Brandon down there from Locked On Twins. Uh, we're going to have some fun today. It's a little bit of a free flowy episode, as I sometimes like to call them, uh, because we, you know, just let the conversation go. I do want to say thank you for making Locked On Guardians slash Locked On Twins your first listen today and every day, wherever you get podcasts, and also to say, both these shows have your team covered every day. Um, with that all said, uh, I think one of my favorite factoids on the show this year, before I kick the Brandon, was the fact that Dylan Bundy led the Twins in starts a year ago. Uh, the, for a lot of Guardians fans, uh, I've seen kind of debating, you know, if they're, if Cleveland will have more or less wins than a year ago. I say between an unbalanced schedule and the Twins having just competent pitching, you know, this should be a good competition is my view this year. Mm. You had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's one of those I, great I, random facts. I think it was like 27 starts too. And it's like when you prepare yourself for players to get injured and it's the guys who stay healthy that are your worst players. It's just, it, it's just the vibe that the twins had last year where it was like, Oh, cool. Chris Archer stayed healthy. Good for him. Don't get me wrong. Good for him. Dylan Bundy stayed healthy. It, we were talking off the air. The Twins have two free agents from last season out of either 14 or 15 who got big league deals this offseason. I don't mean to hijack your point or anything here, but Jeff, I want to know who are the two players who were free agents from the Twins last year who have gotten big league deals this offseason? I know it's not Devin Smeltzer because we had that discussion on the show. Like, where is he? Did he sign? And the next day he signed a, a minor league contract. Oh, he's um, not even on this list either. But yeah, he's with no. the Marlins. Yeah, he got a minor league deal because because he was sixth on the team or seventh on the team and starts a year ago. He was really high as well as Chris Archer we were talking about. So uh, if I'm thinking about who was there, I'm trying to think who even left in free agency. There were some trades. Well, and, those and one, of them's, one of them's a really big deal, let's just say. Don't overthink it. <laughs> the one who came back. Oh, yeah. oh, see, I wasn't going to count Correa because he's. Yeah, so technically he, he came counts. back. One other free agent. And, and it's, it's not Sanchez because I don't believe he assigned anywhere. And no. it wouldn't be. Exact. I don't know of Bundy or Archer getting deals, but I probably I could have no. missed on those. And the, the, the hint pen. I gave was one year, $4 million, and it happened recently. I didn't get it. I didn't. I couldn't guess it. I already know who it is, but I could not guess it either. It was. Uh, I don't it was I a zinger. Know. We've talked about this guy on the show, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I won't delay it any longer. I'll no, I, I don't. I don't know. Unless it's a he's, reliever. He's a cub. I'll give you a hint. He's a cub right now. That's the last hint. I don't want to belabor the point. Unless it's somebody like, is Theobar still there? Is it? No, it's Michael Fulmer. Oh, <laughs> right. He was sense. a twin yeah. for for two. I months. I forgot yeah. he was a twin. 
I'll be honest. I <laughs> so forgot he was a twin. I would have um, never gotten it because I forgot he was a twin. Uh, other than that, Aaron Sanchez back on a minor league deal. Danny Coulomb back on a minor league deal. Uh, minor league deals for Duffy, Sandy Leon, Billy Hamilton. But Joe Smith, Tyler Thornburg, Cody Stashak, Chris Archer, Dylan Bundy, Gary Sanchez, all still out there. That's a pretty good indication of why your 2022 Twins won 78 games. Yeah, on top of guys who just weren't healthy all year either. Yeah. That's uh, – I feel like that's going to be the crux of the season. I mean, Cleveland had a lot of, I don't want to say luck health-wise, but I feel like they did not lose a lot of days to injury, probably less than most teams would have. I may, maybe, but maybe being young is part of it. Like, I think we've talked about that. And it's, people it's, the Jose Ramirez off of it. Like, yes, Jose Ramirez played all year, but yeah. he went from MVP to league average for right. most of the year yeah. due to injuries. So there's, half. Yeah, I mean – it, that's a pretty significant loss. Not again, it yeah. doesn't compare with the twins. I think anyone who followed the game knew the twins were one of the most snake bitten teams in baseball. Um, but it, it, then again, and we'll have to see how it goes. Cause then again, the year before that Cleveland might've been the one where they saw their entire rotation go down. And we had guys like the same, if twins fans want a good outcome story, for a similar situation, it is 100% the Guardians because they had to rely on Sam Henches, who many of us didn't even want to keep, and luckily they did. Uh, the Minnesota boy who turned into a great reliever. Yes. Uh, you know, JC Mejia, I don't think, ended up pitching anywhere, also got suspended. But they, the Cleveland yeah. had to dig deep for pitching because they had so many injuries. And then they had health, and they had some young guys step up. And maybe that's the blueprint for the Twins this year. Well, and they did go out and hire a new trainer, which – I, so luck is kind of an unfair word, but I think fortune for teams who stay healthy is probably the better word. You're fortunate to do that. Um, but they did go out and, and get the trainer from Oakland. Oakland is one of the more healthy teams. And to your point, though, Oakland is also a team that runs young just because of their frugality. So chicken and egg scenario, but it certainly doesn't hurt to to try something different. They're trying something different by not letting Byron Buxton play this spring, which seems interesting. Um but yeah, um, you know, the definition of insanity is to try the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. They're tra- they're trying different things. They went and got a trainer from a team that didn't miss many games last year, and they are chock full of depth. They have never had this many veteran utility players on the team at the same time in my lifetime, which uh, is a while. So it's it's a different vibe. It's an interesting vibe, but I'm curious to see where it ends up. I, uh, I was kind of hoping at some point this offseason, speaking of depth, that we'd see uh, – oh, now I'm having a, a brain fart moment. I apologize. We'd see Max get – Kepler. Couldn't think of his last name. Get oh, traded because yeah. I feel like you know uh, we were talking before Air, some of the guys who killed the, the Guardians, and uh, we I didn't mention him, but it's like he's one of those guys that I will be happy when he leaves because much like Elvis Andrews, who resigned with the White Sox, I feel like Kepler always steps up when he faces Cleveland. There, there was a Royals outfielder probably like 15 or 18 years ago who did that to the Twins, and it was nobody nobody remarkable. I want to say a right-handed hitting corner outfielder, just an average player. But it's just it's so maddening because you look at Max Kepler, and he should be better than he is. He's a decent player. He's he's fine. But, like, when those guys kill you, it's like, you know, if, if Joe Maurer at his peak, if you shut him down, but Max Kepler beats you, it's just like you just throw your hands up. You don't even know what else to – um to even say um mark quinn mark quinn was the, oh. the royal who killed the twins if i remember big, correctly big prospect who just didn't get it all together yeah, yeah <laughs> i think that was the guy um don't go check the numbers though uh, 
<laughs> won't <laughs> I believe it. I haven't ran that through research yet. So, um, yeah, I don't, the guys that just kill you. So I, I'm sure, yeah, you guys were probably eagerly anticipating a trade of Kep. And, you know, they keep adding outfielders and not subtracting. It got kind of crazy there for a bit. No, you guys definitely, I, I, I'm wondering if, like, that that's going to be the way to beat the shift, just not play a second baseman and play four outfielders. <laughs> but, I mean, there are so many teams that struggle with out. I was, I was kind of shocked when the Lopez deal happened and an outfielder, at least one of them didn't go in that somehow well, and, with, and with the Marlins needs. Miami Cause they did trade the other guardians killer and Elisa rise. He, we killed yeah. the guardians too. Yeah. He, he was a very special player, a very special human. And just, I still think the twins did well in the deal though, especially getting Salas, the prospect, yes. but, Agreed. but um, yeah, that was a curious one. That one really split fans up. They were, um, you know, up in arms, you know, the, I don't want to call them the casual fans, but the ones who have that loyalty to the guys that have been there for a while, um, they don't want to see you trade them for anyone, let alone not knowing how good Pablo Lopez is. And then two prospects, there's still a, a group of fans who are convinced that prospects are don't exist until they're issued a major league uniform. And um, like, again, I don't want to call them casual. They just don't consume the game at the same level that people like, um, the professionals do or, or people like us, you know, people who really love the game. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's going to be curious to see how different this looks without a rise. Um, but yeah, I thought Kepler, you know, you add Joey Gallo, you've still got Trevor Larnick, you still got Alex Kirloff, and then you trade for Michael A. Taylor besides. And before you know it, there's five, six deep in guys who've had success at the major league level in some form or fashion. It, it's caught us all by surprise that Max Kepler's still here. Let's just say that. Yeah, we were talking before we, we recorded. And this is not to, to you know, just uh, say anything bad about this guy, but all in an effort not to have Gilberto Celestino play as many games as he did a year ago. I think that was, uh, you know, said he ran into a lot of outs and did some other stuff, just asked to do way too much. And then mm-hmm. uh, I think the Nick, the Nick Gordon thing, I guess, went okay. Like, he's been pretty yeah. good for the most part, but um, – didn't you know? Didn't clear a spot, a spot for Matt Walner, but I guess uh, you don't have to rely on guys like Gilberto Celestino. That was the whole point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to single him out. <laughs> Nick Gordon and I have a feud going. He's had me blocked on Twitter for a couple of years, so now you know. Um, no, I'm kidding. I just <laughs> I never even said anything mean directly to him. I just said I didn't see it for him being a, a big league caliber everyday player. So I'm sure I'm sure that uh, that Jeff there has had that happen to him too, where. You try to be just logical about somebody and it blows up in your face. But um, no, again, uh, the, the way this team is structured too with Gordon, Kyle Farmer and Donovan Solano, that's pretty solid depth. I mean, nobody's going to make you forget about Ben Zobrist circa 2009, but um, you know, they'll, they'll be protected if Alex Kirilov's wrist is sketchy at first base or Jose Miranda needs time with the shoulder to move over to first base from third they'll at least have capable big league vets out there. Um, and we haven't seen that a lot from the twins the, the twins used to be, you'd have your starters and then the next three guys up from the major league or the minor leagues are your bench. Um, you've got a fast guy, a defensive guy, and then maybe someone who will someday hit, this is a different approach. And I'm curious to see, um, you know, if all this big league established help changes the narrative from last year. We will continue this fantastic discussion, but first, Let's talk about one of our fantastic sponsors. And our first one today are our friends over at FanDuel. 
Now, the official ad read says that they are uh, the sports book, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. We got a press release that let, we should let you know. They're also the sports betting partner of MLB. So it's not just the NBA. It's baseball as well. And right now, you want to check it out for the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything. The money line to point scorers and threes drained. Uh, Unlocked on Guardians, we always say bet the over on the Guardians. Uh, I don't know if Twins fans want to hear that or not. Sorry. But uh, that is our big (laughs) advice. Uh, Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and Major League Baseball. What is the over under for the Twins, by the way, on FanDuel? Are we aware? Oh, you know uh, what? I, I actually I pulled the numbers for every team in the AL Central I think last was night. Six, but that's all I remember when I first looked. Oh, so and what I so what I pulled from them was FanGraphs and Baseball Prospectus. Okay. Prospectus says eighty-eight. FanGraphs says eighty-three. So an eighty-six would be pretty much smack dab in the middle if that's what FanDuel says. So are you are you advising Twins fans to bet the over, Brandon, or under? Mm, I mean, uh, my heart says yes. My head says. A fool and his money are quickly separated. Um, I've been saying 92, and I just again, this is gonna this is gonna probably make the eyes of some of your listeners pop out of their heads. But I just I'm I really do like the depth the Twins have assembled. I watched firsthand how fast a season can can unravel on you if Emilio Pagan and Tyler Thornburg and Jarrell Cotton and Juan. Man- I mean, I'm gonna I'll stop. I'll stop. I feel like I'm reading off. <laughs> Don't of, stop. We love Emilio Pagan in Cleveland. Right. He's, That's true. Cleveland fans are surprised he was back. Well, I said if they won a world, for us. I said if they won a World Series, he should have gotten a or he should have gotten a yeah. playoff share. He should have gotten um, a playoff share. But yeah, yeah. It, it, that's how fast a season can unravel. And I just think they're better insulated for that. Beginning of last year, they had relievers. Cody Stashak went down, Jorge Alcala went down, Danny Kulon went down. And none of those guys you look at and you're like, oh, they were going to be the linchpin of that bullpen. But at the time, Juan Duran was First time big leaguer. Uh, Griffin Jacks was uh, coming up being a crappy starter. Taylor Rogers had been traded. Tyler Duffy was on the way out. We didn't know if he was going to be completely washed like he was. I, I, no disrespect to Tyler Duffy. I love Tyler Duffy, but it just mm-hmm. wasn't there. Um, that, to me, they're going to be in better shape because Alcala is coming back. I love Felipe Felipe Lopez. I'm so old. I just um, watched or, that documentary. Is that the infielder? Again. Yeah, the infielder from Cincinnati oh, that I wanted. I was to talking about the. Out, I was thinking about the basketball player. Oh he yeah, also yeah. played for the Timberwolves, right? Yeah, uh, I believe oh, wow. briefly. Yeah, uh, Jorge Lopez. Though I love the I love the skill set. Duran is good. Jax is throwing 97, 98 at drive line. Um, they're, they're just in a better place now. I talked myself into Chris Archer and Dylan Bundy like a moron last year, and the reason why I did it was because they were going to be strict. This like two times through the order which drove a lot of the average, uh, like the the older fans, just bananas because they want to see the starters go longer. And if Dylan Bundy gives up two runs in five innings, he should go out there again. Uh, I talked myself into that, but they didn't have the bullpen to back it up and it blew up. I think they have not only a better rotation, but a better bullpen and two units that will better marry up against each other to at least be a decent pitching staff, if not a little better. 
I'm glad you, you brought up pitching because Jeff and I did this experiment, I think, a few weeks ago about, about stacking up the pitching staff. So I'm going to read off the Guardian. I mean, I know you know the Guardian's rotation, I'm sure, but let me read off and you tell me uh, when I get to a pitcher on the Guardian staff where you would rather take a Twins starter rather than this Guardian's pitcher. Uh, Shane Bieber, are you taking anybody of the twin staff over Shane Bieber? No. Tristan McKenzie? Probably not. I think it stops okay. there, though. It does, and that, that was kind of my point was uh, <laughs> we've talked about, okay, the Guardians clearly have probably – like I'll, I'll give maybe Lopez and, and McKenzie are maybe a push, depending on how Lopez does this year, if he can stay healthy. But after that, I feel like I would take everybody of the twins. I would take Joe Ryan. I would take Tyler Molly. I don't know if I would take Kenta Maeda um, over Aaron Savali. That's a push too. But I was just thinking, like the, the Twins rotation. I think we, Jeff and I both agreed is probably better when you stack it up one through five. But yeah. the Guardians are better at the top, which I'm not really sure how that plays out throughout the season. So mm-hmm. for the Guardians, they're going to have to get pitching prospects up to to match that, I guess. Yeah the the thing that I noted was that I feel like Cleveland has become that. St. Louis Cardinals of the AL where they're just constantly churning out very solid mid-rotation guys. Like they'll have the Klubers and the the Biebers and they'll they'll have guys that come through. But then it feels like there's a lot of like Jake Westbrooks too where guys just come in they're two to four starters. You know, there's Plesac who's good for a while, Savali who's good for a while. Do they stay good? Do they not? Doesn't matter. They got a few more guys coming through. Um the 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 thing that I want to know, and you, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because I hadn't really thought of it this way. A team built with starters at the top in a weak division, I think, is a better approach because if you get through the division, you're lined up one, two, three, one, two, three, four for starters in series. Whereas if you're Rocco Baldelli and everybody's rested, who's your number one? I mean, maybe Pablo Lopez, like you get to the end of the season, maybe Pablo Lopez or Tyler Malley took a step forward and, and puts themselves into like the number one spot unquestionably like Bieber is for the guardians or Dylan Cease for the white Sox. But if you don't have that, like how do you pick who's going to be your starter in that game one? And how are you not going to be second guessed if they lose? I think the way the playoffs were set up and where the way divisional play was set up, it was good to be top heavy in your rotation. Now that you're playing, more games against the Yankees of the world, the Red Red Sox of the world. Um, I don't think it's going to change that much. But again, too, what I like is there's different approaches to get where you're going. You know, you can win 88 games with a ton of offense and no pitching, a ton of pitching, no offense, or somewhere in the middle. And the idea that you have to do what all the winning teams are doing to be good, like it just, it falls so flat with me. So so I love the idea that they're going to compete as completely differently built clubs but I think there's parts of each of them that people sleep on because there's not that star power. You know, behind Jose Ramirez, the offense for Cleveland might not seem that great, but that's because you don't appreciate Stephen Kwan and Andres Jimenez. You know, for the for the rotation, people aren't going to get excited about the Twins, but if they give you 100 and some odd quality starts throughout the course of the season or, or a big jump from the year before, it's not going to knock people over because it's not going to be superstars doing it like Justin Verlander. So... That's my long-winded way of saying uh, it's going to be a really fun back and forth. And I'm at this point, I'm actually kind of sad they don't have more games head to head because uh, I'll admit the tension was fun. The result was not last year. Let's just say that. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was. Well, ahead, Jeff. I was a quick thing before you throw to our next break. I, I 
wanted to take a moment and give Brandon some credit. He was right. Uh, I pulled up Mark Quinn's data. Highest OPS of any team with more than 10 games played was the Minnesota Twins, 933. <laughs> you nailed that one. Uh, next was the Angels. But uh, yeah, he was 100% dead on. A 333 batting average uh, with yes. nine home runs. So you were you you nailed that down. You, you knew your numbers. You, you knew your stats. And another thing that could be helpful if you know your numbers and know your stats is our newest sponsor is one of my favorites. And that's because... Ultimate Pro Baseball GM is a program I bought before they were an advertiser. I bought it across the NBA, the NFL, and baseball. I keep hoping they'll make a hockey version someday. (laughs) It's not super in-depth. It's not like if you've opened up OTP and you feel intimidated. It is a game you can have fun with, you can play around with. It's free uh, to start off as well. Uh, You'll quickly probably fall in love with it and want to spend the three bucks like I did. And it's just, it's fun. I'll sit there and say, I'm going to play for five minutes and then my lunch break is over. And I've been playing again since they're back and I'm up to like the 2036 season. And it's got a really addictive uh, just approach to it. And I find it to be really fun. And like I said, this is, I enjoyed it before they were even connected with us. So right now, if you are looking for a good sports simulation game on your phone, a fun sports simulation game, one that you don't even need Wi-Fi to play, you just, Download it and you can play. Uh, you definitely want to check out Ultimate GM. So, Locked On Guardians, Locked On Swins listeners, get a hundred percent free boost to your franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So, make sure to check it out. That'll be something that is very helpful. Make yeah. sure your coaches are aligned. That's my number one hint. Whatever your head coach is, you want everyone to have that same thing, and then try to get your players aligned for that big boost. So, use those training tokens to help your coaches. So download the game, visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up in the app stores. That's probaseballgm.com, ultimate baseball GM. Start your da- your dynasty today. And uh, maybe we can set up a, eventually some kind of league with listeners for that as well. I know our listeners, we did a fantasy league, and they loved it. So we can do that. Uh, yeah, comment below if you want to do a league of this. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, we had a lot of good responses. We had 20 people. Our, by the way, if you're listening and you are in the Lockdown Guardians uh, Fantasy Baseball League, 9 p.m. on March 25th is our fantasy draft. It's a 20-team 20, 20 league with Jeff and, and myself. I didn't think we'd get 20 people or 18 people interested, but uh, a lot of people wanted to do it, and, and here we are. So looking I, forward I, to that. i got to also throw out here, um, one of the things that makes me conflicted with the Twins is – uh, I, before I got the job, I was a draft writer, and that was like my big thing, MLB draft. And one of my big sleepers was Jose Miranda. I was the <laughs> only person, I believe, who had him in the top 50. Uh, he was not – a lot of people didn't even have him as a top Cuban player that year. I might not have either. That might have been the Delvin Perez year, if I'm being honest. But Maybe. I I think it was. But he was my number two. But I had him in the second round uh, value. I thought he was a great kid by the Twins. And he had some ups and downs. He's a classic example of why you don't want to write someone off. But, I mean, he looked special last year. He looked like he could be an integral part of this Twins team going forward. And he's always hit the ball hard. He's always had a good approach at the plate. Uh, position has always been the question as well. But, yeah, I mean, he looks like a find, especially if you were someone who maybe doesn't know the Twins very well. Yeah, and I mean – the highlights or the the heads headlines are going to go to Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa, good, better, good, bad, or otherwise. But they do have just so many of these younger guys where you're like, oh, if that clicks, that's a that's an everyday big leaguer, maybe not an all star, but a pretty nice player. Alex Kirilov, Trevor Larnick, 
Jose Miranda to me are kind of all in that grouping. I think from a prospect standpoint, years ago, those are probably like your Jorge Kepler, uh, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler types, right? I mean, where you're, you're not expecting them to become a superstar or anything, but he could be a nice little player. Um, I want to I want to dig back for a real old name, and maybe you'll appreciate this. But when I saw Miranda's path, it was like, you know, struggle, struggle, struggle. Oh, kind of figure it out um, and have better numbers than people thought. I thought like Jan Hervis Solarte did that in the twin system for a while, and then – they didn't add him to the 40. He dipped and went signed yeah. elsewhere. And he was a pretty good big league player for a little while. But right. that Miranda was able to go to that mm-hmm. next level above that where you didn't give up on him just because he looked like he was he was okay but not great. Um, yeah, he, and he really turned a corner last year when they sent him to St. Paul. Now, it's a funny story, though. He never got to St. Paul. Um, it's not that funny. Royce Lewis <laughs> messed up his knee, and Miranda was back the next day. But if you separate those two stretches, uh, the first stretch is like a six-something, five-something OPS. Like just you can see why they sent him out. They're like, you're a good player. You have no confidence. When he comes back, it's like an 850, 880, something like that. Like it's an incredibly specific rift in his season. And, um, you know, based on what we saw that second go-round, my bold prediction last week, I was doing a bold prediction segment for the Twins, um, he could be the best hitter on the team, better than Bucks, better than Correa, if everything comes together for him. I don't remember if I said best hitter or most home runs, but um, yes, I'm enthused about what he's capable of uh, as a hitter. Defense, ooh, there's a few guys like that too. Edward Julien's another one. Kirilov, don't know where he'll land. But um, in general, like I know they've traded off a lot of prospects. You know, Encarnacion Strand is killing it this spring. Spencer Steer got to the big leagues. I still like what they have in terms of like potential big league players near the top of their farm system. It's not long, deep with superstars, but I think they can fill some roles with the guys they have. And, and they did a good job with managing to keep some guys um, so that the farm's not completely wiped out after all the trades they've made. I I am, and I'm not eager to see Edward Julian because I have a feeling he's going to be a good player, but I also have a feeling yeah. he is the type of guy that's going to kill the guardians. Like he reminds me a lot of a little bit of Luis Arise and a little bit of uh Elvis Andrews, that type that's always killed the Guardians, but he he's looked yeah. good so far in the World Baseball Classic too. My only my only contribution to the Jose Miranda talk is I for we have a lot of listeners who like pop culture and nerdy stuff crossovers. Uh, I know he is the cousin of Lin Manuel Miranda who wrote Hamilton, so that's my only contribution to that part of the conversation. So my, my fun <laughs> Cleveland tie is that I got to see, and I mean I don't know if you guys talk about him in town anymore, uh, Francisco Lindor, but I got to see him as a sixteen year old take infield on team USA. They faced uh they went on a barnstorming tour and they faced um, the best amateur team in Minnesota. Uh, they beat them six zero. I mean, it, it was like the best old men ball players in town. So in their twenties or whatever, and they just smoked them. But um, Francisco Lindor at 16 years old was the smoothest infielder taking infield I had ever seen in my life and may still be to this point in my life. Um, and I just knew that day. I was like, oh man, I'm going to be, keeping a close eye on him. It was, you know, Bubba Starling didn't do much. Lance McCullers has been solid, but uh, I knew Francisco Lindor was going to be the guy to watch. You guys, I know you you made a great trade, but you were blessed to get him for as long as you did because, man, what a player. Still can't believe Seattle didn't. I mean, I, I, I thought for sure he might go there because he went to this, uh, he went he went out there and he was hitting bombs in that stadium as a 17 year old kid. Yep. And then they took Danny Holson and made the classic mistake oh. of drafting a player from Virginia. 
Didn't they uh, do for, uh, back, <laughs> back-to-back pitchers or two pitchers in that era? Um, and then they had one other guy who Paxton? No, no, um, no, Paxton was later. Um, it was Holson, Holson, and then another guy may not have been as highly regarded, but yeah, I, um, in that in that draft class, was that the, that's one of the best draft classes of all well, time? You had you had Bauer and, and Archie Bradley go to the Arizona in the top seven picks, and then the yeah. other team who took two pitchers in the first round was uh, the Milwaukee Brewers uh, with Tyler Youngman and uh, Jed Bradley. Mm. Was, you know, it, they somehow missed on both, but um, I don't know who the other. Um, Pitcher, it's gonna bother me, yeah, obviously. Took, but <laughs> but yeah, Danny Holton, uh Lockdown Guardians fans, listeners will know this. I've I I like I tease Virginia. We have uh, some listeners who are fans because uh, up until last year, their fifth highest war of any baseball player in the history of that Virginia program was Brandon Geyer. I think he's now down to sixth. It's it's not been great for the University of Virginia. Not what you want. No, not, no. not what you want. We uh we did have one question coming from a listener and they wanted to know what's going to happen to Royce Lewis now that the Carlos Correa is back. And uh, at some point, I assume Byron Buxton will play a game in center field or maybe he'll play a game at, at some point in some, in some fashion. But uh, what happens to Royce Lewis now that uh, Carlos Correa is back? It's hard to say because um, whether his future was up in the air at short or not, would have probably hinged on if they brought Carlos Correa back. And they didn't bring Correa back because they planned to have Lewis. They didn't have Lewis penciled in a short because they planned to have Correa not there. I mean, they drafted Brooks Lee. So they're, they're keeping things fluid at shortstop as possible. Um, but with that said, you know, Lewis is now on a second ACL. Um, pretty clearly has some kind of issue in the outfield as far as, you know, I, I think it is in his mind that he could hit the wall again, which – you, you never want somebody else feel scared like that. Yeah. It's uh, and then the fun thing about that, like the twins, again, me being a draft nerd, they'd be yeah. my favorite draft of any team last year. And for a team that has graduated so many guys, it's, it's a solid pipeline still there. Yeah. Uh, and it it's really- going to be interesting to watch these two teams plug it out over the next few years. Cause the twins have another nice, uh, what six overall pick this year to continue. Yeah. yeah. And so, oh, yeah. Sorry, with Lewis, I, I got sidetracked there for a second. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be third base. I think his athleticism, he'll still have enough less athleticism and arm to play third. And I just, I don't know if I see Brooks Lee at third as much as second in that case. But who knows? If Correa has, ends up moving someplace, then who's your shortstop? Is it Lee? Is it Lewis? Is it, it Austin Martin's obviously way off the radar now. But um I, I think Lewis is still going to obviously be a key part of this team and he should be healthy by mid season. But does that look like him at third Miranda at first Kirloff in the outfield Kepler traded? It's kind of a pendulum effect of how that's all going to work. Um, and they also don't have an everyday DH. So they will be swinging guys through there too. But I, I really like the idea that, um, that, that Lewis can help them soon. Yeah. The open DH concept is, is good because that, yeah. that really helped Cleveland last year. Now Cleveland ran out of bats to do it with, but it's a good concept to keep guys healthy, especially like Byron Buxton. Yeah. The other thing I saw today in the athletic, I think I shared, I don't know if I shared with you, Jeff, but there was an article in the athletic about um, sharing. I'm kidding. Ever, I don't share anything with Jeff. I try to keep it all from him and make him look bad as <laughs> yeah. much as I can. Like yeah. I do with the world baseball classic, with minute, which I'm still going to do. I'm still going to do the world baseball classic minute. Cause the Dominican Republic's about to go home. But uh, the athletic, the article I saw in the athletic today was that the twins were making an emphasis of base running, taking the extra base, you know, keeping heads up, all that kind of stuff. And I wonder, I'm like, okay, is this, 
because they saw the Guardians do it last year and it worked really well for them and it changed their season with how they ran the bases. And this is the twin the twins like, okay, we need to get younger, more athletic, and we need to do this because you know, the best I, I don't want to say the best in the division, but the team that won the division last year did it and they're gonna probably do it again. Or is it it's probably both the changes in the rules too. Yeah. I mean, the curiosity too has always been like Byron Buxton, should he steal bases? Should he not? Um, you know, can he stay healthy stealing bases? Is he going to be in a spot in order where you don't want to give up outs? Granted he's like 90 some percent, but yeah, do you want him to get hurt stealing bases? It's just, there's so many things that I don't know. I think the twins are just kind of that saber metric, like 2004, 2003 Oakland A's where they're like, we're not giving up any outs on the bases if we can help it. Granted, they don't run the base as well, but like they're not stealing hit and run bunt and that sort of thing. Um, I'll be curious to see how much it changes. Max Kepler is a guy who should be affected at least somewhat by the, the change in shifts. Although if they do what they did to Joey Gallo the other day, maybe we don't see that big of a difference for guys, at least until they hit a couple balls down the left field side with, uh, with some authority. But I think, I think rather than change the way they play the game, they wanted to protect themselves against the way that they play the game not working because, you know, you build a roster a certain way where you have Kyle Garlick as like a, a lefty masher. Well, that falls apart when you're not a very good team and your left-handed swinger gets hurt and suddenly Kyle Garlick's playing every day against righties. His line suffers. And then that niche way that you built that roster didn't work. So I think they just kind of like, took the pieces down and they're kind of building the back up a little different so that um, they're a little better protected the rest of the way here um, down, you know, throughout the season. I don't think they're going to change that much. I don't think they're going to try to mimic anything that the guardians do or did, but at the same time, I mean, they went out and revamped a lot of very important parts of a team, especially behind the plate. Uh, Christian Vasquez, <laughs> I think is a very shrewd signing. I think he's going to do a nice job for them. Um, along the same lines, I'm curious to see how Mike Zanino pans out, whether it's as a bridge to, to Bo Naylor or as a mentor. We'll see. Um, but yeah, catching is kind of where it's at for me foundationally. If you have a good catcher, um, you know, you can do a lot of things pitching wise that you can't if you're re- relying on a rookie who doesn't know the league or a journeyman who's uh, just not very good. So um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how it all pans out. But I think the catching situations for these teams are, are both interesting and in different respects. Yeah, I was at the game last year where Gary Sanchez single-handedly handed the Guardians a game in that spiral because that that was the five-game series over the weekend and the end of the year, and that win kind of spiraled everything. And I was like, "Wow, Gary Sanchez is uh, should be Cleveland's new favorite catcher after that game." So I can see why he didn't come back. Yeah, and that's why Zanino is in Cleveland because you're right, catching, especially behind the plate defensively, is is where where it's at, and that's why Cleveland has always opted for that uh, that move. I'm gonna. Edges, even Sandy Alomar Jr. was that kind of player, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, he was a better hitter early in his career before his uh, his knees abandoned him. But uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to choose to say the Guardians were were trendsetters. I don't know what about you, Jeff. I'll say that everybody else saw what they did. They saw the rule changes, and now everyone else is going to. I mean, the, the rule changes should make everybody run the bases better, or at least try hopefully. to, because hopefully you take advantage of it. I, I like the idea of more action, but I also think people confuse action with actual good baseball like the average fan getting excited about routine fly balls and grounders like that's not good baseball but the ball's in play to me that trade-off is not a one-for-one thing i don't if i can see strikeouts line drives and great defensive plays 
to me, that's the most beautiful game. I don't need to see routine grounders to second base. That people think that's action. You know, the people that go to one game a year, and that to me is ugh, I'd rather see a strikeout than a slow roller to second. I agree. Jeff, can I, do I have time? Does anybody care if I do the World Baseball Classic update? Should I skip it for a day? I say we skip it. I say we skip it oh, every day. Man. From now to the end of time. Denied. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm just going to tell you real quick then that Bo Naylor had a home run for Team Keegan, and they're going home anyway because they lost. Andre Smith had won a bat. He walked, and Kate Smith gave up a couple hits today for Team Canada. And by, by the way, it. Josh Naylor is a total pest. Stephen Kwan, total pest. <laughs> my, my baseball level of hatred for those guys and how much they came up clutch, clutch against the Twins last year, off the charts. Off the charts. Unbelievable. Yeah, the White Sox are, sure do not like Josh Naylor either. No, oh, I, I, <laughs> no every time Yankees. you do something good, yeah. I would say that it's uh, – that that it was amazing that Eric Andre was that good at baseball. <laughs> That's a good. I don't think I've heard that one before. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, it's it's okay. I, not my best, not my worst. Yeah, I hadn't heard that one before. But now now I think about it, that that does make a lot of sense. <laughs> but fu- the funny thing is, Bo looks nothing like him, or their brothers. You can tell their brothers they don't look alike, and the youngest brother, who the Guardians will inevitably draft, also is taller than both and yeah. doesn't look like either of them. Yeah, it was like Oswaldo and Orlando Arcia. You couldn't even tell they were related. Yeah. Well, that's all I got. You guys got anything else before we get out of here? I would say people should check out Locked on Twins, but I'm thinking that might fall on deaf ears to a large portion of your audience. I, I think everybody should, especially with the season being two weeks away. I think everybody is good. We'll, we'll, we'll have Locked on crossovers and division roundtables as the season gets closer. So we'll have one of us and, and Brandon and the White Sox guys, the Twins guys, the Tigers guys all in a round table to do a division preview, but we thought it was a good time season two weeks away and Brandon being back on the network and um, just to kind of dig in on, on behind on the lines a little bit. No, it was great. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, this is Thanks the point where us. I hop. Oh yes. This is the point where I hop in and I say, I remember to read and review both shows uh, positively, but Hey, you know, they say there's no such thing as bad publicity. Subscribe, like, uh, hit the little bell, all those fun things. And then the traditional way we end, this may get edited out when it goes Uh-oh. to the twin show, is go, go, <laughs> Guardians, go. Uh, my, what I say is if you like the show, tell the tell the the podcast prof- provider. If you don't like the show, tell me because then I can fix it. Um, but yeah, five stars. Any, any platform people are listening or watching on, it helps a lot. So, again, we thank you so much. Yep. Have a great day, everyone.